Hello, hello, my breasties. This is Junie for episode 15 of the Tata Cancer Podcast, advocating for yourself as a cancer patient. So this was actually a requested episode topic by the lovely Jennifer Vasquez. I hope I'm saying that right, Jennifer. And um, she reached out to me, as so many of you have. And I just have to tell you, it always makes my day, touches my heart, and I absolutely love hearing what you have to say. And she was talking about her experience going through the early stages of her breast cancer diagnosis and, you know, just the process of learning how to advocate for yourself and how difficult it is and that we don't get taught this. So she thought it would be a useful episode and I could not agree more. So Jennifer, I just want you to know that I've been thinking about you. I am sending you so much love and support right now. I know you're going through some stuff and I just wanted to ask anybody that is listening to today's episode to take a moment. I'm going to have a couple seconds here where just send Jennifer wherever she is in the world, whenever you're listening to this episode, because this could be 20 years in the future, just send some good energy to Jennifer right now. Okay, Jennifer, you've got some energy coming for you in a good, good way. And um, again, thinking about you. So today I'm going to talk about just a bunch of things that you can do to just regain some sense of control. I believe that some of the most difficult things that you have to deal with as a cancer patient is navigating the feelings of powerlessness and the lack of control that you have because there's so much waiting, there is so much decision making, and there's so many factors to weigh, it can be really overwhelming. And hopefully these tips will help you figure out how to get the information that you need, make the decisions that are right for you, and just feel empowered as a person. One of the potential gifts of a cancer diagnosis is really seeing your resilience and strength as a person and the resilience and strength of the people that are around you. So so yes, that is what we will be covering today. Again, thank you so much to listeners in the Netherlands. Uh, we hit number 14 in nutrition recently and we were number 19 in fitness and health which still is blowing my mind i actually asked alexa how do you say thank you in dutch and i was expecting something very exotic and it was basically dankje um i'm probably saying that wrong even though it seems pretty simple but hey netherlands dankje <laughs> I really, really appreciate the support and I appreciate the support here in the States, anywhere else anybody is listening. I have been in a very interesting, and I say that with air quotes, interesting headspace lately, just kind of all over the place. Um, female hormones, especially at my age and you know, with my situation, have are all over the place and I am starting to reach a later stage of perimenopause with some lengthening of my cycle. 
So oftentimes with perimenopause, you'll see a shortening of your cycle. And then as you get to sort of the latter stages of it, you'll see a lengthening of your cycle and then you'll start to miss periods. And then you, once you've missed a period for 12 months, you are officially in menopause. So if you didn't know how they actually categorize you from perimenopause to menopause, that's the marker that you haven't menstruated for one year. So yeah, my cycle was the longest I think it's ever been this particular cycle and it was not fun. (laughs) I've been feeling crazy and it's really helped me tap into my knowledge as a practitioner because this is sort of what I do and really trying to see, okay, when I get to this place, I need to go easy on myself, get movement, but don't overdo it. Um, Allow myself to feel feelings, but also remember that a lot of them are hormonally driven. Don't beat myself up for things. But I do also notice that if I'm not eating well, it starts to spiral out of control. Like the, the symptoms really get heightened. Consumption of alcohol really kind of makes me feel wonky Um, and just to try to to make sure I'm getting sleep and specifically getting sleep between 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. So that 10 p.m. sleep until about 12 o'clock or 12 in the morning, that's when your liver really does a lot of its detoxification. And I notice that when I don't get that sleep, if I stay up too late, or if I'm out, and especially if there is wine or any alcohol involved, I just really feel it when I am at a specific place in my cycle. So when you are going through it, just try to go easy. A lot of the things I say in terms of how to manage these symptoms sounds like a broken record, but it's true. Prioritize sleep, prioritize stress management, prioritize eating a balanced diet that's not too skewed with carbs if that's a thing for you, which I mean, almost anybody, regardless of your metabolic status, if you're eating a lot of carbs and you're not balancing it out with proteins and fats, you're going to feel the blood sugar ups and downs. And when you're hormonal, ooh, that is not a good combo. Um, Process your feelings in a way that feels good to you. I've been journaling a lot, and I think that's probably saved a good number of my friendships. (laughs) I also have been doing something that I love to do. I don't know about you, but sometimes I need to sort of force myself to cry. And um, maybe you're one of those people that cries easily. I'm not somebody that is unable to cry, but sometimes I need to watch a movie or something like that. And I watched this movie called Party With Me uh, that's available on Prime Video right now. And it hit like all the things that make me cry. Well, almost all of them. But, you know, I had this really sort of flawed and pained main character, this female, she's really funny, really endearing and likable, but going through it. And um, it it was very touching 
she was dealing with the grief process and um, her father died. So, you know, those things always hit me like right in the heart. And uh, I watched that movie and I just bawled my eyes out. And it, it was so good. I have been writing out my feelings, but sometimes I just need to kind of have a combination of turning my brain off, but turning my emotions on. And that movie was perfect. So it's called Party With Me. Might not be for everybody, but I thought it was great. Another movie, if you are going through the cancer experience currently and you want to lean into the cancer experience and really address some of the emotions around that the movie that I watched right after I got diagnosed when I needed to just bawl my eyes out and it's one of my favorite movies of all time is 5050 with my celebrity my eternal celebrity crush Joseph Gordon-Levitt it's not about breast cancer but I felt like it really really communicated the cancer experience in a universal way and gosh he's just so darn cute so he's married and I wish him the best but you know if something doesn't work out Joe you can call me you can call me anytime <laughs> okay um this has been the longest intro ever but I just wanted to give you a kind of an update on my life and let you into my world. So here we are. Let's start the episode and uh, yeah. Hello and welcome to the Tata Cancer Podcast where we will discuss the physical and mental elements of healing from a breast cancer diagnosis. My name is Junie Boucher. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner and a breast cancer survivor. When you're diagnosed with breast cancer, you're forced to make life-changing decisions with so much information that's really hard to sift through. My intention is to help provide you with the information you need to make a decision that's going to align your body, mind, and heart so that you can live your best life going forward. I'm going to be your new breast friend. <laughs> okay, let's do this. The information contained in this podcast is for educational purposes only and should not be considered medical advice. Please always consult with your doctor for any of your medical needs. So, 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 what do I mean when I say being an advocate for yourself? Now, essentially, it just means to take an active role in your diagnosis and treatment. Again, it helps to relieve some of that sense of powerlessness and lack of control. So I've made a list here of about I don't know, 12 or 13 things that I think really may help you understand and feel empowered about advocating for yourself. So Number one, number one, ask questions and do not be afraid of asking questions. This comes up a lot in sort of advice for cancer patients. And I will say it again, bring someone with you. It can be really overwhelming to be in the doctor's office, especially in those early days. And you're going to have a lot of questions. So don't be afraid to bring a paper and pencil to bring someone with you 
and to ask as many questions as you have. Ask the same question over and over again. Doctors are used to it and they want you to have that information. And if they are difficult about it, then that's kind of a red flag. But uh, anybody that has compassionate heart understands that this is very a very, very challenging time. And um, people are afraid of taking up too much time or something like that. And you can't, you can't do that. This is your life. Okay. So do not be afraid to ask questions. That is my number one. If you don't know what questions to ask, my second recommendation here is to connect with a support group or some type of cancer community. And one of the wonderful resources I know that the Cancer Support Center I belong to during my experience had a lot of handouts and even you could make an appointment to sit down with a nurse or somebody else who could actually help you figure out what questions to ask your doctor and then they would put them in a document for you so that you would have that and you'd be prepared when you go to the doctor, which could be, I thought that was just such an incredible resource. And um, support groups also, just having other people around you that are going through what you're going through, having a support for your caregiver if you have one, that is such an important part of the process and you will learn a lot from other people, from others' experiences, from their questions. You might figure out questions that you have by listening to what other people have gone through. And um, a lot of support groups have early breast cancer diagnosis or recently diagnosed groups, which that was something that I was in. So it really helped me to be in a group of women that was at the same point in the process as I was. And we really bonded over that. And sometimes it can be a little overwhelming or even scary if you are in a group of women who have been out of treatment for a long time. I don't know why that was overwhelming for a lot of us. Like I tried to attend a an ongoing support group that was sort of all stages, not to say that it's not useful if that's what's available to you, but it was a little bit overwhelming for me for various reasons. So support groups, accepting help. This is going to be a major theme in this episode. Accept help from loved ones. People are going to want to help you. And one thing I can tell you is that they're not really going to know specifically what you might need from them. Um, I always suggest to people who come to me saying, my friend was just diagnosed, how can I help them? And I say, do something specific if you can. Cook them something that they can freeze or have on hand when they are recovering from their surgery. um, Tell them that you'll take them to do something that will get their mind off cancer if they can leave the house or come over to the house, that you're there to talk. But as a patient... I think it'd be really wonderful for all the people that are going to want to help you to just start writing things down. If you realize, oh man, this has been a challenge to keep the house clean or you know what really cheers me up is eating pancakes. 
<laughs> that was one thing I actually had a friend of mine do. She was like, how can I help you? And I was like, I just, I really want to eat some pancakes. Will you come over and make me pancakes? And she said, um, yes, I will. And she did, and we ate pancakes, and it was great. So having specific things like that, yeah, like keep a little note on your phone or have a partner keep a record of it. And then that way, if somebody wants to help you, it can be a lot more than making pancakes. You have a list and I promise you, people will be so grateful for that. They will not think you're some kind of a freeloader. They want to know what they can do. And a lot of the times they just have no clue. So accept help from loved ones, accept help from any community members that you're in touch with that want to help. A lot of people involved in their church. Churches are wonderful about helping people and, you know, sometimes organizing meal trains, stuff like that, which any cancer patient or survivor will tell you what a lifesaver that can be. If you are on a specific nutritional protocol, keep those recipes, have those recipes handy. That's something I love as someone who likes to cook and who is involved in nutrition. I love to know, do you have any dietary restrictions? How can I make something delicious and nutritious that fits all of the boxes that you need right now to best fuel your recovery? It means so much to me to be able to help people in that way. And um, yeah, so get specific about that. And don't be afraid to ask for it. All right, number four, I guess. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do numbers on this because I will lose track. Okay, next up on how to advocate for yourself. And now not everyone will necessarily agree with me on this. I mean, I think sort of, but one of the first pieces of advice that you typically get from your doctor and from other patients is do not Google your diagnosis. I think that is not bad advice, but there was no way that I was not going down a research hole. And that is just me. And that was something that made me feel empowered. Now, the caveat to this is when you get on Google, be sure that you are looking at reputable sources for your reading. So there is some of the ways that you can kind of evaluate your resource is, you know, what is the name of the organization? Is it a reputable organization? Is the information backed up by research, some kind of scientific study? Who funded that research though? <laughs> so um, you want to see that, like if, if it's a study by, about how cigarettes don't ca cause cancer that was funded by Philip Morris, don't trust that article. So this is something important to note that there is a lot of skewed information out there depending on who funded the article. Another thing to consider, and especially with breast cancer, because the science is changing so quickly, is when was the article written? You want to make sure that it's current. And um, that's one thing I actually, yeah, it's, it's very important to note because a lot has changed and it changes every day, practically. 
We can also piggyback on that to learn about your treatment options. And I think it's important to note here specifically with breast cancer that many times the options aren't all laid out to you. I think most doctors do a pretty good job of letting you know, okay, this is what we recommend. And different surgeons will have different recommendations for different things. Different oncologists will have different recommendations for chemo treatments and whatnot. But, you know, I have noticed that it was never brought up to me that I could consider not having breast reconstruction. Uh, And if I had chosen to do a double mastectomy, yeah, that flat closure option is not discussed a lot. So... Think about that. I also recommend if you do have a history of autoimmune disease to really look into the breast implant factor because I don't know if I knew more back when I had my surgery if I would have had an implant put in. At the same time, they did talk about breast implant illness and having been somebody with a history of autoimmune disease, apparently I'm more susceptible to that and it can cause autoimmune disease, but I, it was important for me to have that breast mound. So I can't say I would have made a different decision, but it wasn't talked about much and I don't feel like my autoimmune history was really brought up at all or taken into account. Maybe they didn't think that was important, but I know a lot of women who in this community have mentioned that it it is kind of an important factor. So get second opinions, do your own research about treatment decisions, and know that you don't have to do what is recommended to you. I think that's another huge thing that we don't even realize, that you get to decide what is best for you. Now, this is a bit of a blessing and a curse because these doctors are going to recommend something which I truly believe they feel is the best decision for you, but only you can decide. And with cancer, which is not an exact science, cancer treatment, you know, sometimes, yeah, there's just really no clear right answer. So they leave that in your hands. Now, Make sure you know how much time that you have to make that decision. Sometimes and often with breast cancer, you do have time to think about it, but they'll let you know how much time you have to decide. It can be very quick and that can be difficult, but if you have time, sit with it a little bit, meditate on it, really try to get to the root of what you feel you're going to be able to live with and know that the decision that you make may be different than the decision that your spouse or your child or your friend would make. And sure, it is very likely that you're going to factor their opinions into your decision, but at the end of the day, you need to make the decision that is right for you. And this involves how aggressive you want to treat your cancer, um, what side effects you're willing to live with and deal with, and just what feels right in your heart, in your body, and your soul. So that is super important. Please, 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 if you take away anything, just remember that, okay? Um, Number six, communicate. Communicate 
with your family and friends, if you need to just stop talking about cancer, (laughs) if you need to just not have anybody ask you how you're doing for a day, if you need to turn off your phone, um, if you need to anything, just whatever you need. If you just need to laugh for a little bit, let people know or let people know that you need to be able to feel your fear. A lot of cancer patients feel that they have to be strong for their loved ones because their loved ones are going through an experience on their own and they kind of feel like they have to protect them. Your children, obviously, if you have children, you want to protect them and sometimes you're going to need to say, I need I need some space because you you have to also be able to feel your feelings. Now, this extends to your doctor as well. Communicate with your doctor about your your real feelings about things. I have been very honest with my doctor that it didn't feel worth it to me to continue taking tamoxifen. That is not the right answer for everybody. And it was the right answer for me. I feel it in my bones. I have reconciled if my cancer comes back that this will still be the right answer. I mean, you know, people change their minds. I don't know. If my cancer comes back, maybe I'll feel like it was a huge mistake, but I know in my heart that this is the right decision for me now, and I am honest with my doctor about it. And that kind of shapes the way that I'm monitored. So that is really, really important. Communicate. I mean, this is just advice for anybody, but you have to know as a patient that being honest, asking for what you need is really going to help you have the best outcome, help you manage the stress and trauma of the experience to the best of your ability. So in this vein, let's say that you do talk honestly with your doctor and you tell them, this is what's right for me. This is what I've decided and they don't accept that or they, heaven forbid, yell at you or fire you as a patient, switch doctors. This is your team. You've hired this team. They are my only, I can only imagine that a doctor that yells at you, which I hear this so much from breast cancer patients and it drives me crazy, is that something in their practice and their experience as a doctor has made them feel their own trauma around the decision to go against their treatment recommendations. But I don't know, to me that that, I just think it's insane for a doctor to basically tell you what to do if it goes against what you want and what's in your gut. I think having an opinion and letting you know sternly I disagree is there's nothing wrong with that. But yelling at you or firing you as a patient, I mean, that's, I guess they're doing you a favor there because you need to get another doctor. You also shouldn't be afraid of getting second opinions. The thing with second opinions is that you might have to pay out of pocket for that. So that's just something to keep in mind. I know people who've gotten second opinions through the same medical facility, but oftentimes you may need to go, yeah, out of pocket and that can that can be expensive. But if that is available to you and that's something that you need, 
you can get a very different recommendation from another doctor. And sometimes it's really worth it to have all of your options, all of the opinions on the table, and then you can go with what feels best for you. My next tip for advocating for yourself is keep good records. So I had a binder. I got really Leslie Nope about it. <laughs> I had like a very organized binder. Um, I even did like, I created like a cover sheet that I designed and I had all of my records in there. I had a medication schedule. I had my appointments. I had all the informational sheets that were out. I had all the little handouts that they gave me about the different surgery options and whatnot. And I will still reference that. Oh, if you have a genetic test done, I le- I have my family history in there because that usually is a bit time consuming to do. And then I had my genetic report in there in case I need to submit that again for anything. And um, it's just really helpful to have those records, especially if you move to another doctor because you're going to need to transfer those records These days, it's all electronic and it's relatively easy, but for me, having that hard copy brings me a lot of comfort. I know if the zombie apocalypse comes or anything, or if I just need to refer to it quickly. For example, I had a distant cousin get diagnosed recently and she needed that genealogy information and I had already done it. So that was a wonderful way that I could save her the time and all the research because it usually involves a lot of calls and just asking questions. And I was able to just say, here, take it, you know, don't worry about that, focus on you. So that comes in handy. Here's one I was not super prepared for (laughs) is in terms of your medical insurance, know your policy. It is, can be very difficult to be dealing with the stress of cancer and having to deal with your insurance company. I've also in survivorship had to deal with insurance company stuff where my doctor wanted me to get mammograms every six months for the first two years. And my insurance was saying I only qualified for one. So I had to fight and there was this whole coding issue And as long as the doctor coded it a certain way, it was fine. But it was a struggle and it was a pain. And and when I already had so much anxiety over the scan, it was really kind of a bummer to deal with. But I knew what my policy was. So I was able to fight for it and just kind of maintain the energy to keep and letting them know no, this is not how it's supposed to be. And it took me a bunch of phone calls, but I was able to do it. So let's see here. What else do we have? And, you know, this is also a good thing to remember is that doctors, insurance agents, everybody's a human. Everybody is going through their own stuff. And I really try to remember not to take things personally or to lose it on anybody helping me. It can be very easy to do. You would have every excuse in the world if you did lose it, so don't beat yourself up too much over it. But just know that whoever is scheduling your surgery or your appointments or the insurance biller that you're dealing with, they are having their own thing and you just don't know what their reality is. And in terms of doctors, same thing. 
You don't know what their experience is with other patients, with family. You also have to remember that their job is, they have a very specific job. For example, medical oncology. I would never, ever expect my oncologist to tell me that she thinks it's totally fine that I don't take tamoxifen anymore. Like that that would really go against her job. But she did say, you make a compelling argument. Okay, I accept it. <laughs> I'm not happy with it. And also in terms of things like integrative support, nutrition, or what else, you know, therapy, these types of things don't be afraid to go outside for them. Doctors are not trained in nutrition. They have some knowledge of it, but that is not their area of expertise. There may be a dietitian, oncological dietitian. You can work with someone like me who works in nutrition specifically and specializes in this type of thing. And there may be a lot of things available to you through your insurance that you can get a referral from your doctor for. For example, at Kaiser, they had acupuncture, which I thought was incredible. And even though I didn't need to go through chemo, I had a lot of friends in my breast cancer group who did and who were also with Kaiser and got acupuncture for the nausea associated with it and said it was so, so helpful. So just remember to ask your doctor for those resources and that they may be able to refer out or you might have to go out on your own and that's okay too. There is a lot out there. This type of support extends to financial assistance as well. So medical disability was something that I went on. It felt very hard to navigate at first, but it was actually not that complicated. I was able to finally get a human on the phone, did a lot of Googling, and I am so grateful that I was able to dedicate that time to my healing. Now, I know that's not for everybody, and I know some people like the distraction of work. That was not me. And I worked with cancer patients in my work, and I found it very triggering sometimes to talk to them about it because I was recording a lot of their trauma, and just to hear about it in hindsight from people was extremely difficult because I couldn't have a personal exchange with them and it was just very scary for me. There's also a lot of financial assistance programs. I'm going to have an episode coming out. I think next the next episode coming out is with Think for Pink and they are a financial assistance they they help women get nipple tattoos and it's for a specific area on the east coast but you know there's so many different programs out there nonprofits assistance for just your cancer treatment payments if you can't pay for that so don't be afraid to ask around ask at your support group go on the internet if you are struggling there is help Many people use social media platforms like Facebook fundraisers. Uh, A wonderful friend of mine did that for me. I was able to, that was so helpful. Another popular crowdsourcing thing is the GoFundMe stuff. So that can be very, very fast and helpful. And um, just be aware that sometimes they do take fees. So you might not get the entire amount. And I don't believe it's taxable if 
it, it has to be categorized a certain way. So those are good things to know as well. Um, so yeah, that's my general list of things. I'm sure we could go on and on about that. But I was thinking about this and what if you really struggle to advocate for yourself? So besides, hopefully this has given you a lot of ideas, but you can also enlist the help of your bossy friend (laughs) or maybe your friend who has already been through this experience and wants to pay it forward and help you out. I think one of the important things about having a friend step in or a loved one step in and be your advocate, which there's nothing wrong with that. There's no shame in it. Sometimes it's just not your personality. Just I recommend clearly communicating the role that you want them to take. So yeah, just just put put your boundaries out there so that they know I would like you to ask questions about this. This is what I'm feeling uncomfortable with. And I'm sure if you communicate it well, you can navigate through that. It's just sometimes when you enlist the aggressive person, sometimes they can push boundaries for you and you know, you want to avoid that because at the end of the day, I'm sure they're just trying to help you, but communication is always, always a good idea. And last but not least, just remember sometimes to give yourself a break, give yourself a break from cancer, give yourself a break from being strong, give yourself a break from figuring out how to win this war on cancer. I kind of went back and forth in my own journey with this idea of being a warrior. There was something awakened in me for sure. I feel so much more adult. I mean, I was 41 at the time of my diagnosis, but it really faced made me face my mortality, I would say. It really showed me that things can change at the drop of a hat and made me grow up in a lot of ways and made me really look at how to take care of myself, made me look at the fact that I am not invincible, um, but also looking at the idea that invincibility is really more so in your mind than anything else because cancer only wins if you surrender to that concept, right? Even if your mortal body passes away, you don't have to say that cancer beats you. That's, that is a thought, that is a choice. And that is the blessing and curse of thoughts. (laughs) And why I advocate so strongly for meditation being a big part of my life, because it allows me to get some distance from my thoughts so I have more ability to choose what serves me and what doesn't serve me. And remember that you are doing your best. I truly and honestly believe that learning how to advocate for myself during my cancer experience has helped me be a better advocate for myself in life in general. And as a survivor and as a woman walking through this 
crazy world that we live in. So there you have it, folks. (laughs) And if you want to access the Tamoxifen Facts and Feelings Workbook. That really is a tool to help you advocate for yourself with that specific decision, how to gather the information and make the right decisions for you. At the time that this episode airs, which will be March, no, May 19th, March, my goodness, May 19th, 2022, You still have a couple days until May 22nd, 2022 to download the Spring into Health Wellness Bundle. I will link to that and the Tamoxifen Facts and Feelings Workbook in the show notes. Those are free resources. The Spring into Health Bundle is awesome. It's actually not just breast cancer. It's not necessarily a breast cancer resource, but it's just a general health resource. And there's so much stuff in there from different wellness entrepreneurs that I know personally. And we decided, let's just put this all together in a bundle and people can just get the whole shebang for free. So that is going on until the 22nd of May. So make sure you get on that. It will not be available after that. And I am a part of it. My self-love dance party playlist, which is your ultimate hype jam list that I've been using a lot lately because I have needed some hyping and I am not ashamed to admit it. And I'll tell you, it is effective. It is is highly effective, that playlist. So that's part of there. You can get that through the freebie bundle. That will still be available. I'll make that available to people through my website and my resources. And I will be back in two weeks with that episode, the interview with Karina from Think for Pink. Uh, talking about the nipple tattoo reconstruction, please come find me just like Jennifer did. You can go to my website, juniebwell.com. You can hit me up on Instagram, on TikTok, and LinkedIn. Look at me. I am all over the place, baby, and Facebook. And all of those links will be in the show notes as well. Send me a message. If you have an idea for an episode, let me know. I think it's great. It is... um, I am here to serve you. That's that's my intention. And I am doing the one-on-one coaching right now as well as working on a group program. And I hope to be done with that in the next six weeks or so. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see when it happens because there is a big change coming for me in my personal life. And I'll talk about that next time. I just found out about it. I have some big news. Tune in next Uh, to the next episode if you want to hear about my big big news um okay well thank you so much for listening if you are enjoying the podcast please please subscribe leave a review that's that's even more helpful to me because it just helps people find the podcast And as you probably know, if you're listening to this, sometimes you just need a little bit of comfort. You need to hear from someone that you are not alone. So help, help another breast cancer patient find this by leaving a review. I am on all of the podcast platforms as well, but I typically send people to Apple, Spotify, or Stitcher. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, I am wishing you well.